Good morning all, God bless you, it's lovely to see everybody here. Let's just pray before we start. Father God, it's a wonder to be able to come to church, Lord, to have known the way our lives were and to know what you've done for us. Lord, we just stand in awe and we just feel unworthy even to be part of what you're doing. Lord, we ask now that you bless this little time when we come to your word. Father, that you help us to understand what's been said. And Lord, that you help me to deliver what's to be said in a way that's favourable to you, Lord. We just ask for your presence now, Lord, for your spirit to be here. In the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless. Well, so today I'm not going to tell you about what I'm going to talk about right away. But I've got what we call in business an infographic. Now an infographic is really a picture and some words, but infographic sounds much better in business. So this is what people that are in business call an infographic. And it's a little picture of your social circle. And when I say your social circle, I mean mine as well. So I'm definitely not excluded from this. And it was just a thought about trying to map out how we interact with one another. And not only in church, but otherwise. So if you look at it, it's quite self-explanatory. So if you watch the screen, right, there's different types of people and different layers of our social circle. And the one there at the far outside of our social circle... And there shouldn't really be anybody here as Christians, right? <laughs> okay. But these would be people we would actively avoid. I don't know if you can all see that because it is quite small, right? So right at the far edge of our social circle, the people we know, there's some folk that we probably don't want to see. And if we saw them in a shop, and we shouldn't do this right, it's not an example, we'd maybe walk away. The next step up is, if it will work, it's not, oh, there we go, Okay. People that were not really bothered whether we see them or they contact us at all. Now that's an interesting one. That was the most interesting one for me. Because that's a whole lot of people, right? And I hate to say it, but it might even be people in the church. That if they never phoned me and I never phoned them, nobody would notice. There's probably billions of people in that. But the ones I'm concerned about are the people closest to us, right? But if you never made contact, would you really notice, right? Then there's folk that we bump into now and again. So that would be neighbours. Maybe we haven't seen them for a while or you both step out the door together at the same time. And that doesn't happen very much in my house because it faces away from everybody else's. But in a lot of houses, that's what happens. You see them once in a while. You have a wee chat. How's the weather? How's the cat? How's the new baby? Whatever. Yeah. And it's all kind of just at that shallow level. You're just being pleasant and nice and that's fine. So then there's people you might meet weekly in a group situation. Now we can think of that because we're all sitting in a group situation and we all meet weekly, right? So it could be a church. It could be a club. We've got the Oasis thing. We've got the Sunshine Club. There's a whole number of things that we meet people in a weekly situation. And then you've got folk that you meet daily in a group situation. Okay, when I say group situation, just to clarify, you're not specifically meeting them one-to-one. You haven't set time aside just for them. You're meeting in a group situation, and that might be your colleagues. Yeah? Then there's folk that we actively talk to or contact daily. Now, you see I'm getting closer to the circle, right? Folk that you want to speak to every day. That might be your wife, unless you've fallen out. Might be your best friend. 
right? But these are folk that you specifically look to, you specifically want to see. You might be young and just married, or it might be your girlfriend and you're about to be married, whatever, but these are important, important people. And then there's folk that you actively arrange to spend time with daily. And in couples, you do that until you get married, then you don't have to actively do it because you live together, whether you want to or not. And that's you for life, which is a good thing. But these are important people. You reach out to them. You actually decide that I'm going to speak to that person. I'm going to make a point of seeing that person. I like them so much that I'm actively doing something. Now this isn't definitive for all you people that are looking going, ah, but there's other bits should be in there, right? It's not a definitive picture, it's my wee picture, right? So you can just please just accept it as is. Oh, I went off. And then there's a final one, and this is folk that you want to share your whole life with. Okay, this is folk that this is the people you want to be with. Now that tends to be our families. Because at the centre of a social circle, in a functional family, because I know everybody hasn't got a functional family, so I appreciate that. Everything's not the same for everyone. But as a rule, we'd want to spend our whole life with our family. And as a rule, we probably don't have any other option, because that's <laughs> our family, and as kids you live with them, so you spend your life with them. But these are people that know everything about you. They understand all your foibles. And you know what's important? They love you besides that. They see what you do in the morning, they see when your hair's all sticking up, when your teeth are only brushed. They see you at night when you come home from work and you're grumpy and you're fed up and you're tired. And they just know you for who you are and they love you for who you are. And they're right at the centre of that social circle. That's your family. Yeah? So today I'm going to talk about unity. So can we have that off please, Joe? Thank you. And I'm just going to talk about how the Lord sees unity. Okay, so I want you to think about that wee chart and think about where the people in the church fit in that chart. And look around. We all know each other to one degree or another. But have a think about who do we really know? Are they part of our family? Are they out in the far edge? Is there anybody in here we're actually trying to avoid? I hope not. Yeah? As a people we just see weekly and we have a few words with, have a wee think about that. Just frame that in your mind. Start to think about this, okay? Unity. The word unity means, this is a dictionary definition, the state of being united or joined as a whole. Okay, the state of being united or joined as a whole. So real unity means that we're joined. We're one group as a whole, okay? So how do we know that we're united? How do we know that we're really united and joined as a whole? What's the sign of that? Does the fact that we all come to church together mean we're united? Is all sitting here in this room, does that prove it? No, not really. You can nod your head, you can shake, you can... I'll take silence as total agreement, by the way. Right? Total silence means you're all agreed with me. There's no thingy here. Right? That's good. Silence is easy. But does the fact that we're all sitting in the church show unity? Well, we can all go to a football match. We could all go to the opera. Does that mean the people are genuinely united? We can all go to the shops. We can all be standing in the House of Fraser in a big group. Are we united? Is a lack of fighting unity? Is the fact that we're not all jumping over the chairs and hitting each other, does that mean we're united? Is that proof that we're genuinely united? 
It's quite good because it would be quite messy in the church if we were all hitting each other right. It probably wouldn't be great, but it doesn't mean we're united. So what about something more intrinsic, something you could probably pin yourself on? Is the fact that we believe in the one same God make us united? Does it? Now look at the church, look at it globally. Are we all united? We all believe the one God. So maybe not. What about taking part in the same festivals? Easter, Christmas. Does that make us united? We all turn up at the Christmas service. 24th of December. Does that mean that we are a united people? Probably not. Because we could all go to any festival. We could all go to Diwali. Light candles and do whatever they do. Doesn't make us united. And importantly, does reading the same Bible and believing the same Bible make us united? There's lots of people read the Bible. Lots of people believe the Bible. But they don't think like us. We're not united. And then finally, and this is the most important one, does meeting once or twice a week and having a quick chat with folk mean that we're united? This is back to the social circle. Yeah. Does that, so coming to church, maybe coming on a Wednesday night, does that make us truly united? Well, we could go to a knitting club. We could go to a model boat club. I've always fancied that. I like a wee model boat. It doesn't make us united. So what I want to talk about is how does God see unity in the church, right? And how important it is in the church. So we're a group of people. We have commonalities. But are we truly united? And is it the unity that God wants in his church that we have as an organisation, that we have as a wee church, that we have with the people that are round about us? Are we truly united to them in the way that God would like? Now the best place to find any answer to that is to go to the Bible. Yeah. So if you have your Bibles, let's open them just now and open them at John 17.20. And let's just start to find out how the Lord would like us to be together. How we'd like us to be united. And I'll, I'll let those that navigate and those that turn do their thing. Everybody's there, that's good. Okay, so John seventeen twenty. My prayer is not for them alone. And this is Jesus, his prayer for the disciples. I also pray for those who will believe in me through their message. And that's us. That all of them may be one Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. So that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So here's the Lord's idea of unity. It says that I've given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one even as we are one. Now this is Jesus talking about his relationship with the Father and that depth of unity. 
I can't describe that depth of unity because it's, it's just beyond human comprehension. But the walk that Christ had with the Father when he was on earth, they were absolutely perfectly joined together. Jesus always done the will of his Father. And the love that they had for each other was unfathomable. So they had a unity that we would struggle to imagine. Yet God wants us to have that amount of unity in this church. Now I hate to say this, but if the Lord says it's possible, it's possible. If God says that's the kind of unity that he's bringing into the church, then that's a thing that we can achieve. And it says, I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Now that isn't just meeting once in a while. That's not a relation that Jesus had with his dad. Meet once a week, have a wee chat. That's not the relationship you have with your family, is it? The people that you are in unity with. This is talking about a deeper unity. So, we're to have complete unity, the same unity that Christ had with God, with his Father. What does that look like? Okay, How does that actually fan out, if you like? Let's read Ephesians 2.19. I've got quite a lot of scriptures, and it's probably best that we read them together. So I'm going to, I'm going to watch my time. I don't know how long we've been going for now, but I'll try and keep it down. When did I start? That's, that's my problem. I, I forget. I forget 22. I forget to check when I start, so then I don't know when to finish. It's a bit like putting the, the thing in the oven, and then you go, oh, when did I put that in? Okay. <laughs> So Ephesians 2.19, it says here, and this is the Lord's vision of unity for us. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, also members of his household. So we're a family, we're members of God's household. So our relationship should be that of family members. Right in the centre of that wee circle that I showed earlier. We should be members of God's family and be a family as one. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too, us, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which... God lives by his spirit. What a fantastic unity. This church here, if it's God's perfect will, is moving in this church, we're actually being built together to be a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. There's a purpose in unity. God wants to live not in all of us just as individuals. He wants to live in us as a body, the body of Christ. That's not magic. It's not something you've not heard before. But there's a depth of unity there in that building together as living stones that we maybe don't quite grasp sometimes just how close that has to be. If you went into a building and it was in all different pieces and all separated out, then there wouldn't be any unity there, wouldn't there? God wouldn't dwell in little boxes. He wants to dwell in all of us as one body. And that's when you read in Corinthians, you start to look at the one body thing. Everybody's got different ministries. Everybody's got different things we're good at. Nobody's to look down in the other. We've all got a part to play in that unity. But that unity is tangible. When people gather together in real unity, then the presence of the Lord is there. He's in his temple. 
So, 1 Corinthians, don't turn to them because it will take more time. 1 Corinthians 1.10 says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, this is Paul. So I'm not going to pretend to be Paul, but it's the same appeal. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in one mind and thought. My goodness. So here we are, all different people from all different backgrounds, completely different backgrounds. All being different lifestyles, all get different families, all get different cultural thoughts that we think are right. But God is asking us to be perfectly united in one mind and thought. That's a big ask. But there's only one way we can do that and that's to gather around his word. And the more we start to become like Jesus, because his thoughts were always the father's thoughts, the more that unity becomes clear. The greater that unity becomes. One mind united in mind and thought. And importantly, to achieve that, we should be doing things together that are united, that we have the same thoughts. This church has got a great vision for reaching out, for helping people, for the, the you know, I'm impressed with what I see ever since I've been here. And even, you know, thinking about getting the food for other churches. We're not inward looking. It's when we start to do the work of the Lord together that we see that tangible unity. When we're all playing our part. One mind and thought. John 13.34. And this is absolutely crucial. A new commandment I give to you. That you love one another. As I have loved you. That you also love one another. So that's the basis for unity isn't it? That we love one another. Now I'm going to be blunt about this. If you think of the wee social circle. See people right on the outside. You don't love them. See, as you move in, you can maybe say you love them. But that love that God's looking for, that real love, is the love that a family has one for another. Yeah? That's real love. Everything else is just out there. Yeah, they're just out there. They're just people. And you can say you love them. Oh, I really love this one and then that one. But are you behaving as though you love them? And we'll come back to that. Romans 12.9. Fantastic. And this is talking about love. So love must be sincere. You can't just say I love you. I love you, oh Kathy, I love you. Oh never see you, I never talk to you, but I really genuinely that's that I mean you can prove it I love you. Well I think if you done that to your wife she'd be really upset. <laughs> Forgetting anniversaries, that doesn't get anything. Anyway. So, love must be sincere. You've got to act it out. It's got to be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Are we really devoted to one another? Genuinely devoted to one another. How does that act out in your life? How does it act out in my life? How do I know that I'm devoted to you? I hardly know you. But God's asking me to be devoted to you in love. Well, that doesn't come by sitting in my bum watching the telly. I can tell you that. There has to be something else that I do that would show I'm devoted to you, I'm devoted to you, I'm devoted to everybody. He's not just asked me to be devoted to Graham in love or Sandy. He's asked me to be devoted to all of you in love. And there must be something I can do to 
achieve that and you have to think about what that is so here we are honour one another above yourselves well that's a lovely thing to do don't put yourself up never be lacking in zeal but keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord be joyful in hope patient in affliction and here's something you can do faithful in prayer see an act of love a real act of love is to turn your telly off and to get on your knees and pray for everybody in the church Prayer is a real act of devotion. Because I can tell you the human spirit doesn't really want to do it. It's easy when you're all in a group. And you're sitting through in the back there in the morning. Or you come in for the prayer meeting and everybody's encouraging one another. But see when it comes to being faithful in prayer. I can tell you that everything out there is trying to stop you doing it. But that's a way, a way that you can do it. And be devoted to one another in love. The Bible says where do you pray? In the secret place. You lock yourself away in your own house and nobody knows you're doing it. But God sees it and you're being devoted to everybody in here in love. So, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Share. Where does God keep his money? Do you know where God's bank is? It's in your pocket. It's in your pocket. It's in my pocket. God's money's in here and he wants us to share that share with those that need so if we see a need in the church meet that need bless those who persecute you bless and do not curse rejoice with those who rejoice mourn with those who mourn so if there's people in the church we want to be sharing in their joys something nice happens a baby isn't that fantastic we want to share in that joy somebody's down somebody's having a hard time somebody's mourning we want to share in that morning. The Bible says bear one another's burdens. Live in harmony with one another. Now that's really easy if you hardly ever see each other. <laughs> Living in harmony. When you see each other once a week is really easy. You go into any workplace and I'll tell you what, if you find harmony it'll be a miracle. You go into any family and if they're all harmonious all the time it's unusual. But God's asking us to have that closeness and harmony that even if we spend every day with one another we'd still love one another we'd still care for one another we'd still not put ourselves above one another we'd still be loving 1 Corinthians 13 live in harmony with one another do not be proud but be willing to associate with people of low position and do not be conceited unity is something you've got to do unity is an act unity is not a state of being just because we're all here it's an act unity is active just as love is active Galatians 6 and I know I said it already bear one another's burdens right bear one another's burdens but listen to the impact that will have if we start to bear one another's burdens these could be financial burdens they could be spiritual burdens they could be mental burdens they could be any kind of burden Bear one another's burdens. Right, that's such a simple statement. And so fulfill the law of Christ. Now there's a physical aspect to bearing a burden and a spiritual aspect. You can pray, I've said that already, but by doing so, if we start to bear one another's burdens, we get that unity and that closeness. Do you know what? We'll fulfill the law of Christ. I think that's amazing. That simple statement, I think, Lord, what do you want me to do? How do I fulfil your law? Tony, bear everybody else's burdens. 
I don't know what your burdens are. So I can't do that. But if we were living closer as a family, it would be easier. Now I really appreciate the prayer requests about in this church, so I, you know I'm not decrying anything. We do, we do that. We do the prayer. It's fantastic. You know the communication here is amazing. But do we really take it on board? When we see that prayer request, do we really take it on board? Do we really bear that burden? Do we really take it to the Lord's throne? In tears, Lord, please help. Or is it just a wee quick, oh yeah, I better pray about that. And I know how to do that. If I'm busy at work, oh yeah, there's something from Nicola. Yeah, 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 okay. I'll do it later and then I forget. There's more expected of us as church. And as we move towards that more, as a people, there'll be more unity and more love. So in summary of that little bit, we should be members of the one household, one family. Family know each other intimately. And I, my fault, maybe everybody here knows each other intimately. I don't. That's my fault. I need to get to know everybody better. We're a temple built together so we can live in us. What I'm not just wee Tony Belaski from Canvas Lang. God wants to live not only me, but in all these people here. We've been built together as living stones. The plans he's got from us, we don't even understand. Just come to church and stand just this week. He's got bigger plans. We're to be built together as, as his temple. Love one another. Be devoted one to one another. And this one, I missed out. How did I miss it? Practice hospitality. What well, says that in one of the scriptures? Practice hospitality. What's hospitality? Silence, y'all. You don't know? Right, okay. Hospitality is asking somebody for your dinner. Do you want to come for dinner? Do you want to come for a wee coffee, Graham? Come across to my house. That's what families do, isn't it? They meet each other. Unfortunately, sometimes at funerals and weddings, you never see them outside that. That's not good either. But real families practice hospitality. And as a church, we need to go beyond just meeting once in a wee while and start to do what the Bible says and practice hospitality. And if you keep practicing, you'll get good at it. And I'm not just looking for a free dinner out of this, by the way. Right? It's not just me going, oh well, maybe get a wee invite here. But the Bible says we should practice hospitality. And that takes us to a closer relationship than we maybe have with people now where you only meet them for a short while on a Sunday. You don't get much chance to talk. And I believe there's genuine concern and we have good conversations. But if you start to share food together and meet in each other's houses, something changes. Do you know what? You become friends. As much as anything else. I was at a funeral on Monday there. There's people that were there. It was really sad, so. And there was people that were there that we hadn't seen for years, but we were really, really close with in my first church. And the bond that we've still got, Harry and Annabelle, it's tremendous because we were young and we were doing things for the Lord together and we formed a bond in His Spirit and it's never been broken. We've gone to different churches, we've moved on in life, but that bond's still there. And I believe that's the bond we should have. And bear one another's burdens. Importantly, these are all active things. They're all doing things. They're not just being things, they're doing things, they're things to do. So, nearly done. I actually think I'm going to make it in time today, which is remarkable. Only if you make the time the time I want it to be. Right. What did unity like look like in the early church? Okay, this is God's pattern. 
So this is at the outset acts when it all happens when the Holy Spirit falls this is what happened and this is the way the Lord still wants it as far as I understand Acts 2.42 let's turn to that they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching so this is after Acts 2.38 when 3,000 people have been added they've had the Holy Spirit falling on them they've all been baptised and this is what they've done next they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer everyone was filled with awe and at the many wonders and the signs performed by the apostles all the believers were together and had everything in common they sold their property and their possessions to give to anyone who had a need and every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people and the Lord added to the number daily those who were saved what a fantastic picture of the early church what a powerful powerful picture here they are they're all just saved 3,000 people they've seen the Holy Ghost fall they've seen miracles because it says there was miracles and what are they doing they're sharing with one another they're eating together they're praying together and it says here they met daily in the temple courts isn't that amazing imagine having church every day that's just fanatical (laughs) it's absolutely bonkers but they met together they wanted to be together to the point where they actually sold the extra stuff they had I don't know if they sold the house and had no house that wouldn't make much sense but certainly they sold their possessions so here I've got all this jewellery and all this stuff lying about I'm going to sell that I'm going to give it to the people I've only just met them some of them they've just been saved I'm going to give it to you I hardly know I'm going to give you some money because I know you need it what a beautiful picture of unity what they just forgot about themselves and gave to others fantastic they broke bread in their homes and ate together they took the Lord's Supper they ate together back to practice hospitality it doesn't say they all went to the cafe it doesn't say they paid for everybody to go and get a pot of soup somewhere they ate together and see when you start doing that there's something about eating together follow it through the bible that's another study eating together builds unity and it's not about the food you don't have to ask me for a big five course fancy meal I'm happy with anything it doesn't bother me because it's the unity it's the fellowship that we're looking for it's that togetherness so they sold their property and possessions and every day they continued to meet together in temple courts they broke bread together in their homes in their homes they didn't go and buy a church building they didn't have a church building they met in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts I think that's what the Lord wants now everybody else might be getting invited for dinner and not me right but you need to put that right because <laughs> if we're going to do it we've all got to be part of this right and I'm more than happy to have you over to my house for some beans and toast you know I've got lots of beans in the house Ellie. nearly finished the benefits are unity because there's no point in taking all the way through let's see the benefit John 13:33. little children I shall be with you a little while longer you will seek me and as I said to the Jews where am I going you cannot come so now I say to you 
A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And this is important bit as well. By this will all men know that you are my disciples if you have loved one for another. See when people come into this church, they've got to see something different. They've got to see the love we have one for another, right? And I think what I've been saying really is, if we're only meeting here once in a while and have a wee chat, is that really the love that the Lord wants us to have? Should there be more? Should we be closer as a family? And if you're invited into my family, there's a special bond there. That's where love is. That's when you really display real love. And it's got to be in a way that people see it. So if they come in here, anybody could walk in off the street, how do they know we love each other? I don't know, it could be a model boat club. <laughs> we have to do something to show that love to one another, the Bible says. And then people say, oh look, they've got love. The Bible says as well in Deuteronomy 4, 6, this is important because it talks about the commandments here, right? And it's talking about the law. Observe the commandments carefully. For this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations who will hear about all these decrees and say, surely this is a great nation is wise and an understanding people. Right? So God gave his law back in the Old Testament, and I spoke about this before. He gave his law so that people that followed it would stand out. We've got one law now, and that was love. We need to figure out how to show that love to one another, and other people will see it. Matthew 18.20 For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Does that mean we're just sitting together? It means we're together in unity. When we gather in unity, not just when we gather together, we're all sitting hating each other and grumbling and moaning and not being switched on. He's not there. But when we're gathered in love, he is. Finally, Psalm 133. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the precious oil upon the head running down in the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down to the edges of the garment. It's like the dew of Hermon descending upon, upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commands the blessing, life forevermore. The Bible says only your father and mother and you will live a long life. Dwell in unity, church, and the Lord will command a blessing. And that's life forevermore. The more unity we have, the more power of God we'll see in the church, the more the presence of the Lord will see in the church and in our lives, the more excited you'll be about being a Christian. Because we'll be learning to share, we'll be learning to be friends and family with one another. We'll be excited about doing things together, the way you are with your family. It will change the way you think about church. Take us to a different place. And I just believe it's the place the Lord wants us all to be in that unity. Think about the wee circles again. (laughs) We need to bring ourselves. All these people need to be in the middle. Not just me and Jonathan and my wife and that. Everybody needs to be in the middle of my circle. Everybody needs to be in the middle of your circle and yours. Family. We love. A love that only the Lord can give. So I'll leave you with that thought. And you can go and pray about how that's going to work in your life and my life and other lives. Let's see the Lord do a wonderful thing. Let's see a unity in our church that other churches maybe don't experience.
Let's see the presence of God here in a way that we've never experienced before. I don't understand the dynamics. I just know that if you do what the Word says, He blesses it. So let's do what the Word says. Let's just pray again. Father God, Lord, we thank you for your Word. And Lord, we thank you for that unity that we have with you in the Spirit. It's uh, indescribable to us as humans that you came and actually lived inside us, Lord. But Father, we're looking for more. We're looking for that unity that you're talking about, Lord, where we're being built together as your temple, as a church. Not just as individuals, Lord, but as a group. Lord, there's a lot of things there that we could think about, that we could do. And Father, we're just praying that you give us the grace and the mercy and your love that we could carry out these things. Lord, we don't want to make it something of our own strength. We don't want to make it a a religion, Lord. We want to do it out of love and we need more of your love, Father God, to be able to understand what you're looking to achieve in this little fellowship, Lord. We ask these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.